Hi everyone, this is Anil Nagar. I am founder and CEO of Adda 24-7. Adda 24-7 is one of the leading education technology company in India. If you've been following the news, then you would surely know that India's edtechs are in trouble and they're laying off thousands of employees. They're now realizing the market for a 50,000 rupee online course to crack the entrance exam is very small and that the pandemic boost was temporary. We think that the real problem to be solved is at the bottom of the pyramid and it can be solved only if you are able to sell online courses for a few thousand rupees. You need a fundamentally different type of organization to sell such courses profitably and this is what Adda 24-7 has cracked and the VCs have also voted for it by investing more than $60 million in the company till date. In this candid interview with your host Akshay Dat, Anil Nagar, the founder of Adda 24-7, shares how his mission-driven approach led to some unique choices by building up Adda 24-7 and how those choices are fundamentally making them a stronger business. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming platform to learn about building mission-driven businesses. I come from a village in UP. It's a small village near Bulanshire. And my parents are farmers. Then we had one school in our village. So I studied in Hindi medium school in my village. And we had very small farms. So mostly my father also kept on looking for other avenues to sustain the family and to run the family. I had two younger brothers. I was the eldest. How did you get into IIT after studying in a village school? That was a life-changing thing for me. So I used to study from those Hindi medium books. But in those books, there are some questions which we, which they take from ITG exams or these kind of exams. So there was a section in those books where they will collate specific questions which have come in IIT. And then I started wondering whether I should think of clearing this IIT exam and going to IIT. And somehow confidence came when I could solve some of those questions. The other reason for that was because my background is middle class or poor middle class kind of background. So you hardly survive on your family income. So there is a huge urge to get out of that situation. So as soon as I completed my 12th, I talked to my parents. And so I told them that I want to do this and for that I have to go to Delhi. And most important is that I need money. <laughs> so somehow in money, I need 25,000 rupees. 25,000 was big money at the time. So at the time, we used to have at our home, we used to have uh, three or four buffaloes and small ones. So my father had to sell one buffalo to give me money. So basically, this is how it happened. They gave me money. I took the bus, went to railway station, came to Delhi. When I came to Delhi, I went to IIT because I did not know anything about IIT. So I talked to his students and it was very interesting. They made a lot of fun of me. You should go back to your village. So I, then I entered into premises further and randomly I entered in one professor's cabin. So there was a professor by the name K. Singh. I think K. Singh was the professor. I entered his cabin randomly. So he was doing something, he was writing something. So he told me about few coaching institutes. He said there is a place opposite to IIT, which is Sarbri Bihar. Go there, and there are two, three coaching institutes. He told me the names also. So I prepared, and eventually I got selected also. Twenty-five thousand was enough, like because rent and khana and all of that, like everything was done. So my monthly expenses were around two hundred, two fifty rupees. I used to stay in a very small room, and there was a dhaba where I used to give one fifty rupees a month. So I think that was enough and my fee was around 20,000. So, but in between, I also asked money from my parents, some money. But more or less, it was fine. How did you pay for IIT fees that once you cleared? Like, uh... So when I cleared IIT, I got a rank of around 1,100 rank in IIT. And then there were these only five or six IITs at the time. Seats were around 2,500 seats for there in all IITs. And the options were these five IITs and IIT BHU also. And IIT, which was part of BHU, means Banaras in the University, there was huge difference in the fee of uh, uh, usual IITs and IIT BHU. So, for example, at my time, fee for IIT Delhi was 10,000 rupees a semester, while fee in IIT BHU was 600 rupees a semester. So, for me, obvious choice became that I will go to IIT BHU. So, they had a scholarship thing also for uh, merit holders in that particular bank. So, I used to get that scholarship around 3,000 rupees there on a yearly basis. While I was in IIT, 
My fee was 600 per semester. So that was the fee, whole fee. But I used to get from there, not give anything to IIT. Everything was covered except food charges. That was the only thing you have to pay, which usually will come around 700, 800 rupees a month. So that was also a burden for me. So what I did for that was, so there was a rule in our college, if you can take up additional responsibility of managing the mass, then your mass charges are waived off. So I became mass manager there. So I used to manage along with my studies. So those charges are also waived off. Okay. So then what, like once you were nearing your fourth year, what did you want to do as a career? I want to become IAS officer. So like my fourth year, I started realizing that how I want to think of my life. So one, one thing I was very clear about this was that I want to do it in my own way and I want freedom. I want to experiment in life. I want to play in my life, play my game. So I clearly decided in my fourth year, I don't want to do SEO or any of the government job. I will do something private, but eventually I will do something on my own. That was also clear to me at that time. How did you adjust to English medium from Hindi medium? And, you know, because you would not have even been speaking in English by the time you joined. That was a big challenge. In fact, very big challenge. So I will tell you when I was preparing for ITJ in Delhi. So most of my batchmates were from top schools in, in Delhi. So I remember people from modern school, people from DPS, BPS RK Puram, all those guys. Those very smart guys. And they used to speak very fluent and really good English. So in my whole preparation of one year, I never asked a single question in my class. Not a single question. Uh, if I will ask a question, I will be required to ask in English. And I will not be able to speak anything. And everybody is going to look at me and all those things. So I never asked a question. Whenever I had doubts, but eventually I had to cope up with it. Because I started realizing that whatever I do in life, I have to learn English. I should be very comfortable in speaking and talking in English. I started working on it. I joined uh, spoken classes outside my college. It took a lot of efforts, I will say. Where did you sit for placements, like campus placements? So where did you join? I So from my campus, I got placed with uh, Jaipurgash Industries Limited. This is the JP Group, Delhi-based. And they were building a hydropower plant in near Shimla. And they hired me as an automation engineer because my branch of engineering was electronics and communication engineering. And in most of the cases, they had foreign engineers who had come to the site and they were doing the commissioning of the plant. They wanted to hire some good engineers and groom them to take it up and coordinate with those foreigners. Most of the guys came from France or Germany. So they were hiring us to do the learning from them, to take the knowledge from those guys, to understand the whole thing. And once the commissioning is done, we should be able to run the plant properly. And further, they had plans to start more projects, more similar hydropower plant projects. So I got placed there. I worked there for around two years. When my plant got commissioned, it was smooth. Then I left. There was a lot of learning because I mostly I worked with foreigners and they were like really good engineers. So why MBA? Like you next, you did a MBA, right? From Goa Institute. Yes. So I started realizing that I had done engineering, I had done BTAG and post that also I had done work, which was very technical. It was typical electronics engineering thing. So I wanted more exposure and also at my head, I also thought of doing something on my own. So I thought that one of the way to get broader exposure can be MBA. But big challenge for me was English only. <laughs> so I realized that maths, reasoning, I can do. But English is going to be a big challenge for me. And when I gave CAD, I scored 99.9% .9 in maths and reasoning. There were three sections. But English, I scored 29 percentile. I got zero calls from any of them. So no, no, I am for that. Somehow I also gave uh, this XLRI thing. Uh, and then I eventually got uh, GIM. After GIM, you didn't sit for placements? Yes, I sat for placements. I got placed in Cognizant Technology Solutions in, in a business. So from Goa, I then went to Chennai and uh, I was in BFSI vertical. Within BFSI, they had a specific vertical, which was insurance vertical. So I was in insurance vertical and used to look at projects of different companies, which were their clients. And that was your last job with Cognizant? Yeah, that was my last job. So what made you take the plunge into entrepreneurship? So when I was in Cognizant, one day so there was a team outing where the vertical head guy has come, the whole management had come and the whole insurance vertical guy. So we went on an outing somewhere near Chennai, I think it was 
near Pondicherry or someplace. So, so we had a good uh, lot of fun and in the evening we were sitting and uh, having beer, all of us. And then our vertical head was asking each of us, how you are feeling in the company? How are you fighting Cognizant? How's your work? All those things. And everybody was so excited, telling so many good things about the company. Companies, wow, it's an amazing company. Your work is so good. And I was sitting and wondering what is good about it. So when my turn came, somehow all these things came out of me. I was a bit drunk also, but then I said, it's very boring. I don't find it. So, so, and then everybody's looking at me, who is this guy? So, but the very next day they transferred me to Gurgaon. They said that hey, now we have some projects in Gurgaon. So we have a client, Max New York Life Insurance. Go to Gurgaon and manage those projects. This is how I, within three, four months, I came to Gurgaon. So that was our client, Max New York Life. And I started managing. So I worked there again about one and a half years. So in total, the duration was two years. So, and then I was like, it's close to my place and Delhi NCR is like very familiar to me. I, and here, as soon as I came here, my mind started working. I started thinking what to do and what I want to do with my life. And this is one of the things which was going on in my mind that I want to do something for People of my village. I could see a lot of people who, who had done schooling or graduation, but they're not getting jobs or they are struggling with their career. So I thought, what can I do for them? In fact, when, whenever I will go to my village, a lot of people will come to me to seek advice and they will ask me all those, all those things. So, so in my head, this was going on that I want to do something for these guys. And I will also tell you that since I came from Villay, for me, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest motivation was that how I will be able to help those people and uh, contribute in their upliftment somehow. What should I do? What can I do for them? I felt that this will be something which will give me the real satisfaction and motive in life. So, so I was struggling with thoughts that what to do and all. So one day my manager from Chennai called me that uh, we have a project in US. So we have an ex, we have a big client there. MetLife Insurance and we are thinking that you should go there and manage MetLife. So yeah, so initially I was very excited. I thought this is so exciting. I'll go to US, I will settle in US, I will tell everyone, all my friends, I will call everyone and tell that I'm going to US. I'm so excited about it. But then, and then visa thing and all, everything happened. As the date came close, I started realizing that is it actually what I want to do in my life? And then the reality came in front of me. I realized that this is not what I want to do. US is not somewhere where I can fulfill my dreams. I can fulfill my dreams in India only and I want to stay back. So, so this was a call for me where I, I wanted to call my manager that I'm not going to US and the visa thing, everything has happened. But somehow now I am feeling that I don't want to go there. But then as I kept on thinking about it, I realized that if I want to do something, and probably this is the time. And then instead of telling him that I don't want to go to US, I told him that I don't want to work in Cognizant. I want to do something on my own. And this is how I left my job. So initially, I went to my village and I started thinking. And then same thing happened that a lot of people I met, a lot of people who are looking for jobs, who are struggling to get placed somewhere. I also figured out that there are some jobs which are in government sector, like banking jobs or railways or teaching jobs, all those kind of jobs are there. So I also started guiding those people that, okay, these vacancies are coming, go and start preparing for these exams. And then these guys will come, come to me that, yeah, how to prepare for the exam. So for a few weeks, I got at my home. And then I realized that maybe this is where I can contribute. This is where, where I can help. A lot of people are looking for these jobs and maybe I can guide them, teach them. So with that thought, I came to Noida. Noida is like, close to my place and uh, I started this physical coaching by the name Career Power. So I thought I will teach and I will do workshops, we will go to nearby villages, towns, we will conduct workshops and uh, then we will tell these guys that if you want to prepare then you can come to Noida and we will give you the coaching, we will help you in cracking the exam. So this is how we started Career Power. Career Power was a typical offline coaching just like Career Launcher, Azure Fidji where I started teaching and uh, as soon as I started it. Within a month, I also met two guys, Saurabh Bansal and Nikhil Agrawal. They also joined me as co-founder in the journey. Three of us used to teach. And uh, this is how our entrepreneurial journey started. And so like uh, Nikhil Agrawal name is somewhat familiar to me. I may have met him. Is Nikhil still with you? Nikhil is not with me. I think after two or three years, Nikhil left. 
and 2010 was the time when uh, internet was not too much being used devices were not there android was not there too much data was very high so internet was practically not there and funding was also practically not there did you even think of funding because i mean coaching business is like cash up front business na you don't need funding as such yes in those times we never thought of funding your way of customer acquisition was through free workshops like you would do free workshops and through that you would get enrollments yeah to begin with in initial few months also we used to put lot of posters in nearby places and in most of the cases i was the one who putting poster on the walls and what were you saying then like which exams was it iit entrance exams or was it like bank po or so these were exams for various kind of government jobs for example banking jobs so in banks there are various kind of jobs like bank po or bank clerical jobs or specialist officer jobs like finance officer marketing officer it officer so all those kind of jobs are there in banks similarly there are various kind of teaching jobs or central government schools but after 6 months then i think it became word of mouth business because our results were kind of phenomenal in the first batch we had around 29 or 30 students out of that around 25 were selected and that word of mouth spread very fast and we started expanding very fast so initial the center was in noida within a year we started our second center in delhi and then within 6 months we had i think 3 4 centers in delhi within 2 years we had branches outside delhi also company owned company operated branches or like franchising all company so after delhi we went to lucknow kanpur then patna ahmedabad bhopal ranchi chennai hyderabad by 2016 we were running around 100 branches of career power and all across how did you scale from 1 to 100 i mean like you know quality of education keeping that consistent is so challenging and very few companies are able to go beyond a couple of branches you know so what was your way to really scale up and so generally i will tell you when we were growing and expanding offline so all practically i was involved in everything for example if i had to set up a branch in lucknow so i will go to lucknow and i myself will set up the branch so we used to look for education hubs where a lot of students are staying or these are there or near to college or universities so first of all this and we also need a place which is highly visible so that people coming from near coming near to that place they can see it clearly we'll build the branch physical setup will be done let's say in a week then we will start a batch normally i will start the batch i will take the first class in that center while in in first week the setup is being done i will also do the hiring hiring of teachers we will guide them and on to some extent and for about 2 3 weeks i will be there till everything is smooth and running and everything has figured out what to do and how to do how to go about marketing and how to take classes and everything so likewise we used to monitor it very closely we used to set up everything on our own and it worked really well we had we faced challenges when it came to opening centers in uh, non hindi speaking states for example when we were opening center in chennai then we had to face some challenges because there were a lot of uh, communication gaps and people used to treat us that somebody from delhi or hindi speaking belt has come and probably will capture their things and will do something wrong there so those kind of situations we faced challenges but mostly we were able to bring them in a running state on a at a very faster pace because i will be there i will be talking personally people know me so one of the good thing about us was that company reputation founder reputation was huge people used to think that okay this is the company and they do i will tell you uh, there is a reason for that also in offline especially in government as prep it is highly fragmented segment there are so many physical coaching institutes there is no one uh, which is very big but at a smaller level there are thousands or tens of thousands and there are there's a lot of unprofessionalism there they are run by some teachers or local people so there is no standardization there is no feel company like feel or let's say the basic facilities for employees or basic things which should be given to employees like my background is from iit and my co-founder is also he also comes with a good background educational background he was working as a banker so we built the company very professionally and that also became a differentiator in the industry that okay this is the company which is doing things highly professionally this is the company which is which gives you so many facilities this is the company where you can also get respect when it comes to teachers or let's say any kind of employee because normally in offline 
we will treat employees relatively in a, in a bad manner and how did you ensure that the faculty is teaching the same thing everywhere like all 100 centers have the same quality of education of so we we created the content and we created the we created modules that okay say please let's say we are launching a batch for banking it will have let's say 50 modules or 100 modules out of that 10 modules will be maths in maths there will be these modules there will be assignment so we standardize that every class this is the assignment you are going to do and we kept it open that teacher can teach in their own style own way but outcome should be that student should be able to do these 20 questions there were around 20 questions in that also the initial content was created by us only like i created the math maths content on my own so i used to teach so i i knew that what is relevant what is not and what is the depth required so i created the initial math content similarly saurav created something nikhil also created so we had lot of control over the content that what is the content which we are going to teach or what our teachers are teaching okay 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 and what would one center earn like what was your revenue per center per month or like give me some idea of revenue numbers by 2016 so okay i will tell you overall revenue so by 2016 overall, overall revenue was around 25 crore we were doing and but there was a huge difference in terms of between different centers for example in a city or a bigger city revenue might go as high as let's say in a in a month you can do 40 50 lakh also and in a small place it can be 2 3 lakh also so anywhere in this it will also depend on the stage of the branch for example initial 6 months will be a bit struggle but after one year or two year then the revenue will start growing significantly were you using any technology to manage this like any digital tools or was it done through like the traditional methods uh mostly traditional we had created some tools internal tools for ourselves but very limited mostly we use uh, mails or we used to do google spreadsheets but but not too much of tech by the time so it's 2016 you have 100 centers offline for career power with revenues touching 25 cr so you know what next from Here. So around that time, we started realizing two, three main challenges. I will talk about that. One of the big challenge we were facing at that time was quality challenges because there was too much of operations. We were running so many centers, and number of faculties were huge in numbers. So it was very difficult to maintain the quality across so many different locations. So we had few locations where number of classrooms were like fifteen or twenty classrooms. Also, even at one location, we had challenges. and we had so many different locations in so many different languages for example we had branch in chennai so, uh, so while we are trying to maintain the quality there and provide students the best quality we were also facing challenges because we did not understand language there so personally i did not understand so i also used to have someone in between who will audit who will check it who will report it to me so there was one challenge which we started facing because of huge offline ecosystem the other challenge was growth challenge we also started realizing that what next so we had these branches in all major cities in india and if you wanted to think beyond it then we had to go to relatively smaller places and the challenge was that we still had some branches at, at these small locations but in most of the cases these branches were loss making financially because you set up a branch in let's say small location number of students which you expect will be relatively low and you still want to ensure that you provide the best quality there so your cost overall cost goes why and then you struggle there because of your low number of admissions so we thought that this is like another challenge so keeping these two factors in mind we thought that we should find some solution the other factor which we had in our mind was that when we started the company we had a clear vision that we want to serve people coming from smaller places this company is for people who have been deprived in terms of quality education so we started realizing that if we eventually if we remain limited to bigger cities and we don't go to smaller places then our vision of serving people in smaller places will also get impacted we started thinking of uh, of a way how we can solve all these three problems and there was also the time when jio was launched and even in terms of device a lot of smartphones were coming to india a lot of cheap smartphones were there and people people were using smartphones and internet quite quite a lot at the time because for i think about a year jio was almost free and data charges were very low so then we realized that probably going online is the right way to achieve our vision also 
and uh, to take quality education to every home in India. So we had two options then. One option was to start something in online mode within career power ecosystem. And this is what generally most of the companies do. Most of the offline companies, they become big. And then if they want to go online, generally their strategy is that within their ecosystem, they hire few employees and through them, they want to enter online. So this was one of the options. Other option was that we completely shut down everything in Career Power and again start from scratch and build build a new company which will serve online mode. The second one is very risky proposition because it's like starting a new company and closing down one popular, profitable, high growth company and we were going very well. So 2016 we grew more than 100% as compared to previous year. So so this was very tricky and very difficult call for us. We chose the second one, second option that we will not do offline and we will completely go online. And we will not do it like we started within Career Power Ecosystem, hire a few employees and they will build online for us. We realized this is not going to work. The company is all about this DNA. And if we want to build online within offline DNA, probably it might not happen. And you have 25 crores of revenue coming in from Career Power. You wanted to just shut it down, get that to zero. Yes. So that's a call we took. And uh, so this, in inside, it was a very bold move by us. And But I still feel surprised that my co-founder, he supported me on this big deal. And you had no investors in the business, so therefore it was... No investors at all. That was a blessing, I will say, because then you are not answerable to anyone. Yeah, even if you fail, it is just you. So it was a big call. How did you shut down? Did you just like give a one-month notice to all employees and your landlords from whom you had rented properties that this is our last month of operation? Yeah, like how did that happen? No, it was very difficult. In many cases, students have long courses. People are studying for one year, right? And, and they have so much trust on you. While you have different aspirations, you want to build online. But at the same time, you cannot play with their careers and their emotions. So we decided that I will disassociate myself from career power. So our head office was in Lakshmi Nagar, Delhi. So I moved to Gurgaon. I started a new office in Gurgaon, in Unitech Cyber Park, uh, and started working on online. So let's say that was around 31st January 2016, around that. And I started this office in Gurgaon. I started hiring tech and product guys here. At the same time, Saurav stayed in Lakshmi Nagar. And he and we together made a plan that slowly this is the route we are going to take. In six months, we are going to close this branch. In one year, we will go close this. In, let's say, one year or in two years, three years, this is going to the roadmap. So our strategy was that probably in six months to one year, we will close down all the branches which are in smaller cities. And uh, for bigger cities, we uh, we made a plan that the other option to, to take care of those branches was to convert them into franchising. Because most of these branches in bigger cities are company-owned and there are a lot of takers who would like to run these branches and continue that. So so let's keep career power alive in some format, maybe in franchising, so that tomorrow if we want to utilize that ecosystem for supporting our online students or online ecosystem, probably we can do that. So this was the thought. And uh, yeah, and slowly we, here we closed down 2025 branches and so on. So as on today also, we have around, I think, 30-35 branches of Career Power. All franchises, all universities, all franchises. But revenue contribution will be like 1 or 2% of the overall revenue. So they are alive <laughs> in a way. But operationally, we are not involved. Our complete 100% focus is uh, building online. So how did you do your 0 to 1 for online product? Online was a totally different journey. Offline was all about operations. Your going to have regular classes, batches, too much of ops. But online was was more of intellectual thing. And I built a very solid team which can take care and which can build this great product. We chose that uh, this new business or new product is going to be Adda 24-7, which is basically Adda of education. So everything of education will be there on this platform. Anybody can come and prepare for any exam. So that was the thought. Initially, when we thought of Adda 24-7. And, and we were very choosy. So I will say uh, we had complete clarity on this that if you want to build a great product, it can happen only if we have the best people in the industry. And uh, at that time, we hired some of the best people in the ecosystem. We paid very high salaries, even though we did not have any funding, but we had cash, which came from offline. It must have needed for you to learn a completely new type of skills, right? Like from growing an offline business to setting up an online business. How did you personally cope with it? What were the skills that you had to learn in order to build an online business? True, true. 
This is very much true. In fact, Akshay, I will say that this is true at every stage of the business. So let's say when you are building a business, which is like doing one crore business. So you require different skill set. Tomorrow you are doing a business or you want to build a business, which is which will do 50 crore. It's a different skill, 100 crore different skill. So every stage you have to upgrade, update yourself and you have to change your role also, right? Initially, when we started building this product, I was involved in everything. Everything in, in, in terms of conceptualization and the terms of product, how the flow is going to happen, where students will consume, how they'll consume, what message they will get, what will be the pop-up. So I was involved in everything. On the tech side, I, I, I relied on my tech guys, although I was very keen to go into tech and I was tempted to do some coding also, which I did not do. I had very solid tech team and uh, one of the tech guys who was a CTO was very strong in that. So tech, I could I could completely avoid because I was kind of taking care there. But on product side, on analytics, I had to learn a lot that in offline, there was no analytics. It was all here. It's all very sophisticated. Every product decision is taken on the basis of data. And you have to understand what is the flow of data, how uh, what kind of analytics you can measure or you can capture and based on that, how you take your decision. So what is the strategy you took? Like, you know, there are multiple strategies uh, yes yeah, so we we did multiple experiments we tried multiple things and uh, in some cases it worked some cases did not work so for example in 2016 as soon as we launched the platform the first thing in terms of paid course was our uh, mock test series for example you can practice for any exam before you actually give the exam that worked really well but the challenge with that product was that it was very low ticket size product 100 rupees 200 rupees kind of product so, so we realized that this is fine, but we have to think of something else or something bigger where we can uh, we can get more from our users, and we have to think of a service where they get the value. So, after this, the next product we launched was tablet-based courses. So, yeah, likewise, it was very much likewise. So, what we said that uh, you can buy your course, so we will send you the tablet, and it has everything, so you can prepare for from that. But then it did not work out so well. Self-learning. So this did not work out so well. Why did it not work out? Was it a motivation issue? I mean, I've always felt self-learning, the big question is motivation there. No, so for us, it was a different challenge. So most of our audience is in smaller places, tier two, tier three, towns, villages. And when we started selling the course, so most of the people, let's say, were buying the course, buying the tablets from villages and towns. So, and this whole delivery ecosystem was broken. I don't know as of now, what is the situation? But it was very difficult in those days that you deliver this particular tablet to someone in a village. So in cities, like uh, delivery happens, but in villages, it's not happened, right? So so we started getting so many complaints that our product is one month, product has not reached two months. So we thought that we are creating unnecessary negativity out of our product. And it's not our product, it's our delivery that things are not reaching to our audience. So we thought that, no, it's not going to work. While these guys had internet in their village, but delivery is not happening. So that was a challenge for us. So then we moved on to live learning. Then we said that rather than having these video courses and self-paced courses, let's provide live courses. And live courses worked really well for us. So till now, live courses like our... Why did you move to live courses? You could have done that self-paced learning without a tablet delivery, like just through downloading an app. Right, right. So we tried that also, self-paced learning initially. But then we realized that if somebody is downloading the content online, so at the same time, we can also provide live classes, which is more interactive, which also solves and which can cater to many different things. Because when we were thinking of tablet, our thought process was that people in smaller places, they may not have proper access to internet. So tablet makes sense for them so that they can consume the content even without internet. But then internet penetration was increasing very rapidly. So that problem actually was not there, right? Internet was there. In some cases, it was slow, intermittent, all those problems were there. But in our minds, this was a big problem we wanted to solve. That people who are in smaller places, they don't have access to proper device and proper internet. And if we send them the device with the content, then this is going to solve some problem. But then we got into some other problem. Delivery was not happening. So when we tried, recorded through online, which was like streaming, then we thought that why we want to give a recorded thing if it is streaming. We'll give them the right thing so that they can ask questions, they can talk, they can express themselves. That was the thought. 
And was it cohort based? Like one cohort would join together or was it like flexible? Anyone can join at any point of time. No, it was anyone can join any point of time. So we start launching batches just like offline. And these were in online mode with so many other features. But they were batches at certain timings. For example, we launch a two-month course, which will happen every day, seven to nine in the morning. Or there is a batch, which is going to start in the evening, six to eight. So every day, two hours class for next three months. So we conceptualize those kind of batches and then we start. Very similar to offline world, the way you designed the product. Okay, okay, okay. How did you replicate the community building which happens offline? Like, you know, when there are 50 students sitting in a class, they make friends and they ask each other doubts and things like that. Were you able to replicate that in online? Yes, yes. So we solved that through tech. So while on our website, we had all these features. Because we realized that a lot of people were coming online while seeking information. They wanted to know which exam is coming or what is the salary or what was the previous paper, what was the cutoff. All these guys were coming online and we created communities around that where people can talk, they can ask questions and they can solve their doubts between them only. So, and this worked really well for us. We could see that every day we were getting lakhs of chats by different people they were talking. Same thing you replicated on our app also. So so people can share content, they can like, they can chat, they can talk to each other. So this whole ecosystem was replicated on app also. And for us, I think it was a big differentiator also. Because otherwise, in most of the platforms, it was just content, right? You go and you consume the content or you leave. But here people will come to talk to each other. That, okay, how are you preparing? Now 10 days are remaining. What is your history? What books you are reading? Or this question I could not solve. So we, we, we brought all those features on our app and web. But I will say true success came in or we became more confident when live started working really well. And that was around 2017, 17, 18. Uh, and then we knew that now this can be scaled to any level. There's no challenge around pricing. So uh, this 2018, what kind of pricing did you have for your live course? And what was the turnover monthly revenues or annual revenue you did? I don't remember exactly, but in the first year, we had a total revenue of around 2.5 crore. We did. And the next year, we did around 6. And most of the journey has been around growing 100% year on year. So, so I'll say we did not grow very exceptionally in any of the year, but we grew consistently. Every year, we kept on adding new courses. We kept on trying new products or new kind of courses for our students. And it kept on. 2016, we raised our first round of funding, which was done by Easterlight Technologies Limited at Sevidanda Group Company. So they invested around $3 million. That helped us in terms of building our basic tech and basic content. The initial things were taken care of by that. But we got the confidence when we raised funding by InfoEdge in 2019. InfoEdge invested, InfoEdge along with Asha Impact, they invested around 30 crore. And then we kind of realized that funds like funds like InfoEdge, they feel that we have the potential and we can change things in India. Then we are going to do it. What did InfoEdge see in you? Like, you know, what was their reason to invest? I think one of the things they had in mind was that this is a big market anyways. And we were one of the, or we were the largest player in that segment, 2019, catering specifically that segment. So InfoEdge, uh, one of the business they manage is Nokri.com which is around jobs or private sector jobs. They saw that there is parallel market, which is uh, government sector jobs. And the largest player was at diet in that segment. So that was one. The other was, I think, the way we were building business. So we were building business in a very sustainable, in a very cost-efficient way. So I think they also liked that in terms of our DNA. I think Sanjeev sir uh, met me and kind of, I felt that, InfoEdge is also very conscious in terms of quality of founders. So there also I feel that it worked well for us. Right, right. It was a big stamp of approval for you. And this would have then helped you further to reach where you raised 20 million in 2021, 35 million. So like 55 million you raised in the last two years, which is pretty amazing. Right, right. This really, this was like, I will say in funding ecosystem or tag ecosystem, this was a big validation. And then things were, things followed. What is your sales strategy? How do you acquire customers? Is it through performance marketing or is it like TV ads or celebrity endorsements? Or like, you know, what's your strategy on that side? So we don't do any of these. We hardly do performance. We don't have any celebrity endorsement. We don't do all these things. What we do is we have built a very 
strong organic ecosystem. Organic ecosystem on web means around search and as well as on YouTube. So we run multiple websites which are focused around different exams and there we provide all informational content free of cost. For example, we have a website bankercenter.com. So if you want to know anything about bank exams, which new exam is coming up, what is the salary or what is the career path, anything you want to know, this is the one-stop platform for all the aspirants. And it's a big success. Similarly, for teaching jobs, we have a portal teachersenter.com. Similarly, there is a portal for defense guys, which is called Defense Center. So we created multiple websites. These are informational websites, free of cost. So anybody, let's say, either directly lands on the website or let's say searches on Google that I want to let's say, prepare for this exam. Ultimately, we land on one of our portal, right? So that's one. And in this, this whole organic ecosystem, organic web ecosystem, we get about 25 to 30 million users every month. That's one user acquisition channel. It's all free users, no marketing. The other channel is YouTube. So as of now, we run 50 different YouTube channels catering to different exams and different languages. Last year, we had about more than 2 billion views on these platforms. And from our strategy is that these are the YouTube web, all these are informational platforms. From there, we nudge users that if you really want to prepare in deep or let's say you have the complete course, then this is the app, download the app, and within the app, you can buy the course and you can prepare for your exam. So you basically invest a lot in creating content which generates organic lead. Yes, yes. Tell me something, how important is it to, I mean, what is the importance of being vernacular, you know, adopting vernacular languages? Spoke previously about how you struggled with your Chennai center and you told me just now that on YouTube you have channels in different languages. You know, is this important for a net tech to embrace vernacular or do you teach primarily in English? I think vernacular is key if you really want to impact education in India. So what we are saying is that Adda is a company which is which aims to education in smaller places or take education to those people who have been deprived of education. Now all those people live in smaller places. Now let's think of Tamil Nadu and think of a small place in Tamil Nadu, right? Somebody is staying in a town or a village in Tamil Nadu. How you can transform his life? Okay, you will say that I have quality education. I want to give quality education. So now, the what should be the language? Should it be Hindi? Should it be English? Or should it be Tamil? So the obvious answer is it should be in Tamil because somebody staying in a village in Tamil Nadu can only understand Tamil. Otherwise, what we are saying is that if you want to provide education in English, then it's like very small set of people in India, maybe less than 5%. But if you really want to impact people in villages, then the key is that you have to provide education in their local language, in their native language. So this was very clear to us since beginning. In fact, when we raised funding from InfoS and the pitch we gave to them was that our strategy is to take education to every town, every village, every home in India. And our technology is the key. We want funds because till, till that time, uh, 2019, we were providing education only in Hindi and English. Although Hindi is also like vernacular and catering to certain states, but again, it does not cater to the whole India. So as soon as we raised the funds, we launched our courses in four more languages. And those were Tamil, Telugu, Marathi and Bengali. So I think vernacular is key definitely. And I can say that as of now in India, there is no other education technology company which is focusing on vernacular or as much as we are focusing. Are the exams in English or are the exams also held in... I mean, if someone is learning in Tamil, will he give the exam in Tamil or will he give the exam in English? All state exams happen in local language. So, for example... Or you would like say the SBI bank PO exam, that's available in local languages also. So, few exams may not be there in local languages. For example, SBI clerk is available in local language. SBI PO may not be available. But SBI PO is like slightly on a higher side. So... Somebody who has done graduation or who has certain level of education. So as soon as you you reach certain level, then English is okay. But after a certain level, if you want to impact everyone, then local language becomes a key. How big is this market? How many, you know, let's like build a funnel. How many jobs are available each year through these exams? Roughly half a million jobs, around five lakh. Half a million jobs, wow. Okay. And how many people are aspiring for these jobs? Roughly 80 million people. Wow, 80 million for half a million jobs. That's incredible. So, which is why you need the preparation. Without that, you will never be able to 
get into that top 5%. Basically, only like 5% of aspirants end up getting a job or less than that. 0.5%. 0.5. Oh, man. Okay. Amazing. Okay. So what is your like number of students you teach every year? So we teach, in last one year, we had around about a million users on our platform. Million paid users. So th- there is a lot of market still available for you to capture, basically, like this. Yes, lots of market. 79 million more test takers who are potential market for you. Amazing. And what's your average earning per student or, you know, like what kind of revenue are you doing? So as of now, we roughly, it's about 2000 rupees per user, which we take. So for example, we are doing a, a current rate is around 20 crore, which we do as of now, doing about yeah, monthly, which is like one leg, 80,000 to one leg students every month. And what is the competitive landscape today? Like, you know, you told me in 16, 17, there wasn't much competition for you. The other players were focused on different segments of the market. No one was exactly in this segment. What is it like today? So in between many different attacks came and went. According to you, what are the reasons that you survived and the others did not? Is it vernacular? Is it pricing? Because your pricing is pretty low right now at 2000 rupees per student. This sustainability bit is in the DNA of the company. So it's not about pricing because initially when we used to talk to investors, then people used to say that that this is a huge audience which comes from tier 2, tier 3. But the problem is that the paying capacity is very low. So you can never build a sustainable business from this lot. And everybody used to question that. And in our mind, we used to think that, yeah, paying capacity may be low, but it's a huge volume. And maybe we can build a business where we can offset this lower pricing through volume. A lot of people can come to our platform and eventually we can build a sustainable, profitable business. And that's an approach we always had that we are going to be, because we are catering to big audience, huge number of people. So our business is going to be volume business. A lot of people are going to come to our platform and buy courses. And also, we are also very clear that if we really want to crack this market, two things are going to matter the most. One is affordability that we have to provide affordable education because these guys cannot pay 1 lakh rupee or 2 lakh rupee or these kind of prices. They can pay 1,000 rupee, 2,000 rupee or 5,000 rupees, right? This is one. And second is vernacular, that you cannot expect that they are going to buy your course in English language or Hindi language. They are going to buy in, in their own language. So for us, these are the two core things that we want to make courses as affordable as possible. And Beyond that, the the other thing is that our DNA is to do business sustainably and profitably. Okay. Do you think you raised too much money? $55 million you raised in the last two years. And you're a company which doesn't burn money for customer acquisition. Most companies raise for customer acquisition costs, which in your case is largely organic. Your revenue, like that average revenue per student is also fairly low. Looking at that, it seems like a very large number to raise, 55 million. Yeah, so we have done two rounds recently. One was in 2021, November, where we raised 20 million, which was a mix of primary and secondary. But primary capital, I will say, was around 100 crore. And uh, on that, out of that 100 crore, we spent some money on acquisition of another attack, which was Study IQ Education. So we acquired that company immediately after our fundraise. So we spent some money on that. Some money we still had out of that. And we recently raised another 35 million. So if I frankly tell you about our bank balance, so the current money we still have around the bank and the remaining money from the last round, we still have with us. In our accounts. We were never a fan of raising too much money because we know that every time you are going to dilute your equity. And our intent is to build this company for a longer term. For next at least 20 years, I, I want to continue building this company. So, but at the same time, you also want to be comfortable in terms of exploring new opportunities, entering into new domains and strengthening our, yourself time to time. Because in the past, what we have seen is that these uh, some of these new attacks come and they suddenly they will suddenly raise some money and uh, will disturb you right through that money so we want to be in a, in a relatively strong position when it comes to such scenarios and also we want to be comfortable in terms of our cash in terms of exploring new opportunities so suppose in today's times when most of the attacks are suffering due to lack of funding or due to bad market scenarios so we are in a very good position in terms of exploring opportunities, buying new companies, acquiring different companies. So yeah, that that was the thought process behind the. Why did you acquire Study IQ? What's their product? What do they do? 
So they are into UPSC segment and a very popular brand in UPSC segment. So they run a YouTube channel by the name Study IQ IAS and they have around 14 million subscribers there. And every single day they will have around 4 to 5 million views on their channel. It's a highly popular uh, platform for UPSC aspirants and we wanted to enter. So earlier before Study IQ, we were in all government test prep segments except UPSC. So we wanted to enter UPSC and they were kind of perfect fit because they come with the same DNA. Building sustainably, uh, building organic platforms. And uh, what do you see as areas you want to expand into? Like, you know, what kind of companies would you like to acquire? Like, is it to add new product line or is it to uh, acquire like companies which have built up a strong community of followers on social media? One of the aspects we want to see in the companies which we want to evaluate is the organic user base they have built or they are building because that's our DNA. We don't want to spend too much on paid marketing. We want a organic ecosystem because that comes with a lot of user validation and also customer acquisition cost suddenly becomes zero for us. But otherwise, we want to enter into segments which are in alignment with our audience. Now, our audience is, let's say, people are staying in small places. So we, time to time, we want to think that what are their educational needs? What is that we are not catering as of now? And can we do something there? For example, one of the space we are exploring as of now is upskilling or affordable upskilling, where we want to visualize that, okay, a lot of people come to our platform for, for government jobs, or let's say 80 million people are filling the forms for government jobs. But out of those 80 million, hardly half million get jobs. So can we do something about for, for those people who do not get job in government sector? So maybe we can do some kind of digital skill we can give them so that they can do uh, they can do some kind of job from maybe from their location itself and they can be productive and contribute to their GDP. So what's your advice to aspiring founders? Okay, so my advice will be that building a startup is a long journey. And if you really want to build great startup, come with a complete conviction that this is what you want to do. There will be one thing which I know for sure that when you start your entrepreneurial journey, things are not going to be as per your plan. You will be surprised as soon as you start doing your things. Everything will change within a year. People who talk to you, who, who say a lot of good things about you, suddenly they will change or let's say people will start questioning your decision. So a lot of things are going, and even for your product. So some, let's say you were convinced in something, but as soon as you start, you will realize that, oh, no, there are, this is all, already taken care. People are already doing it. So a lot of things are going to happen. But you should start the journey with a good conviction that this is the problem statement. I'm going to solve it. But in the end, you are going to enjoy and relish every moment of it. It's so much of learning in that perspective is so much of fun. It gives you so much sense of satisfaction in terms of achieving what you are achieving. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at thepodium.in. That's ad at t-h-e-p-o-d-i-u-m dot in.